0: Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan.: We're in a series of messages entitled "Destiny: Fight for It." The Apostle Paul wrote, "I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith." You know, You are in a fight once you become a believer." And, and he said that I have fought. The good fight. Everybody here, you are, you are either in a fight, you just got out of one, or you're just going into one. Right? I believe this. I believe that every person is fighting a great battle. And it is so true when you're a Christian. It says in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8, it says, and there is no release from that war. One translation says no discharge, right, from that war. You are in the middle of a spiritual battle whether you realize it or not. And the Bible tells us we need to fight the good fight of faith, the Christian life. It is a fight. And then he says, he said, I've finished the race. And as a believer, you're in a race, right? And this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. I was talking with someone back in the green room before the first service. And we were talking about how many people start the race But not everybody finishes the race. A lot of people get started, but they don't finish. And what Paul is saying, he says, you keep on fighting and you stay in the race. I remember back years ago in Sunday school, and we used to sing a song, though none go with me, still I will follow. And that really needs to be our attitude, right? That we will not quit the fight and we will not drop out of the race and that we will keep the faith, right? The world, the flesh, the devil, Jesus mentioned the desire for other things will try to get you out of the race, but it says to keep the faith. It is in Jude, the third verse, where it says to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. What that means is this, that the world society, culture, the devil, they're going to try to get you to discount your faith. They're going to try to get you to the point where you no longer believe what you once believed. They're going to try to get you to the point where you're going to go, well, you know, always lead to God. And it doesn't really matter that the Bible says this. You know, we're living in the 21st century and everybody's doing this. They're going to try to get you to back off from the faith. But what you are going to do, you are going to fight the good fight of faith, and you are not going to quit. You are going to stay in the race, and you are not going to drop out. And you are going to keep the faith and never give up the faith. Now, in Joshua chapter 1, Moses has just died. Now, this is Moses, the same guy who extends his rod and opens the Red Sea. This is the guy. that were 10 plagues, Under Moses, this is the guy who went up on a mountain and spent 40 days with God and came down with the Ten Commandments. This is the same Moses who said, God's going to give you bread from heaven every day. And for 40 years, bread would fall on the ground from heaven. The Bible literally says, it says they ate the bread of heaven. One translation says they had the corn of heaven. So I just figured it was cornbread. (laughs) But under Moses' leader, how how many would want to follow that? I mean, when Moses died and Joshua was to step up, he's like, oh, my goodness. These are some huge shoes to fill. So this is what God says to start with. Joshua 1, verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So what God is doing is he's coming to encourage Joshua. Now, I love the last thing he said in that verse. I will not leave you or forsake you. It is actually found again in the book of Hebrews that God says, I will never leave you and never forsake you. I want you to catch this. When the word word leave there means to physically leave. But the other word, forsake, it means to turn my heart away from you. So God says, I will not physically leave you and I will never turn my heart away from you. Now, listen, the devil will tell you that God is mad, that God's upset, that God is distant, that God's not listening to you. God's not going to answer your prayers. God's not going to bless you. God's not going to use you, right? Now, the, when you're young, how many of you know when you're young, you can do dumb stuff and get away with it? All right. And when you're old, now that in my 60s, I'm liking this. People just like, he's old, he did not know any better. He's old, just let him go, all right? This is a great place to be. But this is back when I was young, all right? We were, we were in the other sanctuary and uh, a guy came up and he, 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 he was wanting prayer. But he says, God just doesn't listen. God is so distant. God is mad. I pray God doesn't hear my prayers. You know, I think I've just committed the unpardonable sin. God is not watching me. God doesn't listen to me. I pray nothing happens, nothing happens. And, and I had this idea. Right? I, I would probably do it again now that I'm old. All right. <laughs> but, but I said to him. I said, so God won't listen to you pray? No, he said, God doesn't listen to me. I said, All right. I said, why don't you just cuss a minute? Pastors aren't supposed to tell people to cuss, but I said, just cuss. And he said, here? In church? And I said, yeah. He said, no. He said, God would hear. So I said to him, so God will listen to you, Cuss, and he won't listen to your prayers. And he went, oh, (laughs) I'm glad it worked. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes we go by our feelings and we feel like God is distant. We feel like God has turned his heart away from us. We feel like God is not listening to our prayers. But God said, I will never desert you, never forsake you, and I will never turn my heart away from you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God says, I love you, I'm with you, and I will not turn my heart away from you. So God comes to Joshua, and he starts encouraging Joshua. Then verse 6, he says, be strong of good courage. Then verse 7, God says again, only be strong and very courageous. Then in verse 9, God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then the people get in on it. In verse 18, they say to to him, they say, Joshua, only be strong and of good courage. Well, think about this five times in one chapter. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Here's what we think. We think the people in the Bible, that they had this special dispensation. We think they never, ever doubted. We think they never got discouraged. We think they were never afraid. But let me tell you why God told Joshua five times in one chapter, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed. Why? Because he was afraid. That's why, because he was afraid. And and faith does not mean that there is an absence of fear. Faith means that you move ahead with God's promise in spite of fear, in spite of apprehension, in spite of the fact that the devil will try to get you dismayed and discouraged. You keep on moving ahead. They're trying to encourage Joshua. God's encouraging Joshua. Now, It's great when you've got people around you to encourage you, but let me just tell you something. Sometimes you don't. Now, in in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his 600 men are coming back to their town of Ziglag. And and when they pop over the last hill, they, they see the most ominous sight. They see the city has been burned with fire, and all they see is a column of smoke going up in the air. I know that they ran. They got to the city, and they found that the whole city was burned to the ground. Every man's wife, every man's children, and all of their possessions, everything was gone. And the Bible says that they lifted up their voices, and they wept until they had no more power or strength to weep. And then it says that David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Now, when you're depressed, let me just tell you something. When you're depressed, it is a really bad time to make a decision because you will almost always make the wrong decision. And the people are talking because you want to blame somebody for the problem. And the people are saying, let's blame David. Let's just stone David. You want to do something. But if if you're discouraged, if you're distressed, unless you're in faith, you will make the wrong decision. So the Bible says the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and his daughter. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now notice what it says: He strengthened himself in the Lord. Somebody said, "How did you do? How do you do that?" I wasn't sure you'd ask, but I've got some answers for you. All right, this is how you strengthen yourself. Let me give you a couple of of scriptures: Psalms 116. All right, David. Is facing a tremendous obstacle. He's got. He's facing a huge problem situation, and and I don't know what your mind's like, but when problems arise, my mind is very very fast to paint the worst possible case scenario. It should be the worst thing that could possibly happen. Your mind's going, ah, this is what's going to happen, and that's what's happening to David, all right? So this is what David David does. The Bible Bible says. That he, this is what he said. He said to himself, he said, To return to your rest, O my soul. Now I want all you ladies to look at me. It's all right to talk to yourself. It's right in the Bible. David said to himself, return to your rest, O my soul, because his mind's going crazy. His mind's saying, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and Absalom's going to kill me, and, and uh, this is, they're, they're going to kill our, my, my family, and, and all my, my men, everything's going wrong, everything's going sideways, and his mind is going crazy. So he says, his spirit says to his mind, to his, it says, return to your rest, because the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And then verse 8, and he begins to recount what God has done for him. He says, for you have delivered my soul from death. There was a period of about 10 years where King Saul was David's enemy. And the Bible says that he sought to kill him every day. He's out looking for him. In spite of all that, in fact, one time he almost had him. They're going around a small hill. David is running on one side. Saul and his 3,000 men are on the other side. And God delivered him and he called it the rock of escape right but here's what happened he said god in the natural there's no way that i would have survived but you protected me and you delivered me for 10 years you delivered me when my enemy was trying to kill me you delivered my soul from death and then he said my eyes from tears again we, we tend to read over some of the stuff in the bible listen david did not have a charmed life he had a young a young child that died one of his sons killed another. Uh, you talk about a dysfunctional family. David had a dysfunctional family. And literally his heart was broken again and again and again. And he said, my eyes from tears. He said, you healed my heart from all of the catastrophes, all the terrible things that I went through. And then he said, "In my feet from falling. We all know the story. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. Then he murdered her husband to cover it up by the sword of the Ammonites. And he said, God, in spite of how I fell, I said, I went to you and your mercy was so great. He said, you washed me with hyssop. That's what you put the blood on. He said, you washed me in blood. He said, and you took me and you made me as white as snow. In fact, he said, you have picked me up and you have put my feet on a solid rock. He said, you delivered my feet from falling when I had fallen into sin. And God, you did so much for me in the past, and you did not bring me to this point to let me fall. I know you delivered me in the past, and you're going to deliver me today, and you're going to deliver me in the future, and I thank you for it. You see, what you need to do to encourage yourself is you need to begin to look at what God has already done for you. Because he that began a good work in you, the Bible says, he will complete it. He will fulfill it all the way to the day of Jesus Christ, when Jesus returns to this earth. Then, listen, the other thing that you do to encourage yourself, you grab hold of God's promises. Look, this is what David said. He said, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, In him will I trust. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He began to grab hold of the promises of God, speak out those promises, and when you do, it just ignites the faith in your heart. It encourages you in the Lord. And and praise God when we have friends that will encourage us in the Lord. That is, you, you need to have some. All right? I think about the, the paralytic that was brought to Jesus. He had four crazy faith friends. And, and you need to have at least four crazy faith friends. All right? People that love God, that love you, that love the word, that will stand with you, that will encourage you. David is hiding from King Saul, he's living in a cave. And then Jonathan, the Bible says, 1 Samuel 23, Saul's son, arose. And went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. He went to David and he said, this literally, he said, it has been prophesied you are going to be king. And that is exactly what's going to happen you're going to be the king of Israel. God is going to lift you up. You may go through this time where you're out hiding, but God's promise to you, it is going to come to pass. I know it. My dad, King Saul knows it. Everybody knows it. All you need to do is stay faithful to God and every promise God gave you is going to come to pass. You need some people like that. You know, I, I remember one time that a friend called me up. I, I, I was fighting a battle, and he got he got on the phone with me for about twenty minutes. And by the time he was done, I kid you not, I was ready to f- charge hell with a squirt gun or swing out over hell with a cornstalk and spit in the devil's eye. You know, you need crazy faith friends, all right? People that are going to encourage you. People that are going to say, "What God has spoken is true. Every promise of God, it is yes, and it is." Amen. You know, you get knocked down, that's all right. You just get back up. The righteous may fall seven times, but he rises again. Deuteronomy 20 and verse 4. For the Lord, your God, is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and give you victory. Right? And again, if you feel like you're knocked down, that's all right. Get back up. Right? Don't quit. I like what Michael Jordan wrote. He's probably if not the one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He said, I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I was trusted to take the winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. That is why I'm a success. You know, some of us, we want to never fail. But listen, there's no great victories without a great battle. And there is no shortcut to victory. There's no cheap victories, right? The fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. One translation says, is a strong tower. You know, when you put your faith in God, it's a strong tower. It's a strong confidence. It gives you the boldness that you need to keep on moving ahead. Someone said there's two kinds of people. Those that get things done and those that are afraid to make a mistake. Because if you're afraid to make a mistake, you're afraid somebody's not going to like what you do, you will not do anything. All right? And sometimes because of that, we're paralyzed. Now, Jeannie and I, last month, we we were invited to go to uh, Australia to do a marriage conference. And and we went. Uh, It was in Brisbane. But they had a staying in the beginning out at at, uh, Gold Coast, Surfer's Paradise. And so this kind of jumped out at me. Sir Bruce Small approached 95 banks before he got the loan to turn his swamp into Surfer's Paradise, Australia. Now, when they were there, I don't know if it's true, but they said it is the number one tourist location in the world. And it is absolutely beautiful. 95 times Banks told him no. Again, this is, this is Dr. Prindle. He says, Colonel Sanders approached no less than 1,000 banks, attempting to get a loan for his idea of a fried chicken restaurant chain. That's a lot of times. You know, when we were trying to get a loan to build the first part of this building, we went to five banks, and they said, no, we just kept going. And I thought we were bold when we went to five banks Can you imagine going to 95 banks or 1,000 banks that just keep on going, keep on going? You know, sometimes things don't work out exactly the way we thought, and we think it's a setback. But don't take a step back because God is setting you up for a comeback. Years ago, listen, I want to tell you a little story. This is Bernie. Bernie's right there. Wave at me. Bernie will will confirm. We're over on 44th Street. The church is a pool barn. We're doing a Saturday night service, four Sunday morning services, and two Sunday night services. And there's just no room to go. And right next to us, the school district has six acres. How many? Nine acres. So we've got our eight plus their nine. All right. And we think, oh, we got to have it. So we're praying, God, give us the nine acres, give us the nine acres. We went over and marched on the nine acres. Lord, give us the nine acres, give us nine acres. And so we write the school district and we say, we'd like to buy your, your, your property. We'd like to offer you a certain amount of money. And they said, no. So we wrote them again. We'd like to offer you more money. And they said, no. And we wrote them again and said, we want to offer you more money. And they said, no. So we wrote them and said, how much will you take? And they said, no amount. It is not for sale. And we were like, oh, God, what's wrong? And then this 150 acres comes up for sale. God had, God had plans uh, that, were, that were 20 times bigger than our plans. All right? And we thought God wasn't, God wasn't, the truth wasn't listening. God was setting us up. He was setting us up. We thought it was a setback, but God was saying, no, I got a comeback for you that is so much bigger than anything you were ever thinking of. All right? Keep believing God. There's no victories at bargain prices. You may need to fight a few devils. That's all right. You got the victory. He is under your feet. All right? and you don't ever really get successful at anything till you're determined, I will not quit. Just keep going. I won't quit. I am going to fight the good fight. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to keep the faith. Remember, the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He said, I won't leave you. I won't turn my heart away from you. Paul wrote in Romans 8, he said, "What will separate us from the love of Christ? Not tribulation, not distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, perils, or sword." He said, "Yet in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us." He said, "I'm persuaded that not life or death nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, not height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is for you. He is with you. He will not leave you. He will never turn his heart away from you. Notice, he said, you're more than a conqueror through him that loved us. You know, Floyd Mayweather fought a fight last year. For championship. He, he, he won the fight. He got beat up, but, but he won the fight. Now, he received $180 million for that fight. I, I hesitate to say that because I don't want my grandkids to hear it because they'll all want to be fighters. $180 million. Now, now he got beat up getting it, all right? But he was a conqueror. But let me tell you when, what happened. He went home and he gave that check to mama that's what happens at my house. All right. Jeannie gets a check. All right. Now, he was a conqueror, but she was more than a conqueror. She got all the benefits, but she didn't get beat up. That is what Jesus did for you and what Jesus did for me. He went to the cross. He received 39 stripes. He had the crown of thorns. He had the the nails in his hands, in his feet. He shed his blood. He suffered. He died for you and for me. But the victory he won, he gave to you and he gave to me. That's why the Bible says you are more than a conqueror. And if you don't have the success right away, keep going. Keep going. I was reading recently about Winston Churchill. It took him three years to get through the eighth grade because he had trouble learning English. Now, now here's the man who was probably the greatest orator of the 20th century. Failed eighth grade three times. I only failed twice. It was second grade. All right. He just kept on. He would not. He wouldn't quit. All right. In in Michelle Weiner's book, I I took this quote out of there. I just wanted to read this short story to you. She said, I knew a woman who was a jogger. One day she went out for a run. She returned to her apartment to find a man hidden behind the door wearing a ski mask and holding a knife. She told herself, I will let him rape me. I will let him do anything, but I'm going to get out of this alive. There was a moment after he raped her, she had an opportunity. She, She grabbed it and she ran out of the house, went to the neighbors. When she saw that opportunity, she got there. They offered her clothes. They called the police. When the police arrived, they drilled her about what had happened she very matter-of-factly described what had happened. Confused, the police person said to the woman, I don't get it. You were just raped at gunpoint, and you're sitting here calmly telling me the details. How can you be so calm without missing a beat? She responded, and she said, you don't think I'm going to let 10 minutes with that guy ruin my life, do you? See, she, she, she went on to work with women who were rape victims, helping them move forward in their lives. She's also married, has several children, enjoys a healthy relationship with her husband, and does not see herself as damaged goods. The important thing in life is not what happens to you, but the meaning that you ascribe to what happens to you. Listen, in a group of this size, probably 30% of us that are here We're at some time in our life sexually abused. And the devil will tell you you're damaged goods. But it is a lie. It is a lie. You may have been abandoned. You may have been belittled. It doesn't matter what somebody did to you. It's the truth that matters. And this is the truth. You are so valuable that God sent his son Jesus to pay for you, to redeem you from everything that happened to you. It's the law of exchange. When you, 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 you go to buy something, you give something of equal value. And God put this value on you, that you are worth the life of his son. If you had been the only person on earth, Jesus would have come for you. Jesus said this. He said, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world, but you lost your soul? Jesus said this. You are more valuable than the whole world. This whole world that you and I see is going to pass away. But you are going to live on someplace forever and ever and ever. And do not let the devil tell you you are damaged goods because you are God's goods. And he redeemed you, he valued you, and there is no one that knows your value like God knows your value. Now you might might look at your situation, the mountains, the problems, The failures, the opposition, the rejection, the abuse, whatever happened. And you might think these are dark days. These are bad days. But listen, these are days of opportunity. Romans 8, verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. No matter what the world, the flesh, or the devil has brought your way. God said, I'm going to take what the devil has done, what the world has done, and I'm going to work it out and I'm going to use it to bless them. They, excuse me, Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave into Egypt. And they meant it for evil. In fact, he actually told them one day, he said, when they, years later, he said, you meant it for evil. He said, but God meant it for good. It was Max Lucado that helped me. He said, he said in the Hebrew, what it actually says, he said, you weaved it for evil. That was your intent. But God reweaved it for good. And no matter what's happened to you, your God is so great that He can reweave what the devil, the flesh, the world meant for evil, and He will reweave it for good. I love what the, the story about this woman. She ends up going out and helping other women who've gone through the same thing. God took her misery and made it her message. And God will do the same thing for you, no matter what you've been through. the Bible says, he'll work it together for good. Listen, if it's not good, it's because it's not done yet. If it's not good, God's not done. Because if you will believe God and you will fight the good fight, you will stay in the race and you will keep the faith. God will turn everything in your life to good because our God is able. He is abundantly able. Let me just share one last thing. Some of you have heard me say this. Some of you may have not. The, a group of astronomers in, in uh, Australia took the most powerful telescopes that we have and they did a section of the heaven and they calculated the number of stars. And through that, they calculated the total number of stars. And this is the number that they came up with. It was a 10, I believe it was 27 zeros behind it. But this is, they said, that's hard to grasp. He says, this is what it is. He says, if you take all the grains of sand on all of the beaches in the world, and all of the grains of sand and all the deserts of the world, and multiply them times 10. That's the number of stars in the known universe. Now, a God who can say, let there be light, and that universe jumps into existence, that same God loves you, cares for you, said, I will not forsake you. I will not turn my heart away from you. And when that God is working for you, and you stay plugged in, there is nothing that that God cannot turn around for you. Nothing that God cannot turn around. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Think about that. Ten times the number of stars in the known universe of all the grains of sand in all the deserts and in all the beaches and shores in the whole world. He sits on high. But he sees and watches low. He knows about every problem, difficulty, situation, addiction, abuse, rejection, hurt, sorrow, belittlement, pain that you have ever been through. And this is what he says. He says, come to me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you're here today and you may feel like you're abandoned, you may feel alone, you may feel God is far, you may say, I I know I'm not right with God. I need forgiveness. I need to be free. I need God to heal my soul. I need hope for the future. I need freedom from addiction. Jesus said this, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And if you're not right with God, This is what I want you to do. In a minute, I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift your hand. And when you lift your hand, you're saying to God, God, I'm going to come to you today. And I'm going to receive Jesus today. And when we pray, God is going to come into your life. He's going to blood wash you from your sin, make you a new person on the inside. You're going to be a part of his family. So when I say three, first thing that happens is you lift your hand. You're saying, God, I know I need a Savior, and I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and to be forgiven today, to become a part of your family. One, when you lift your hand, you're saying, God, I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for you every single day. Two, now get ready. You lift that hand. You're saying, God, today I'm going to receive Jesus by faith. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. He's going to make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family, a person that you will never leave and never forsake. Three, lift that hand up. Pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right, but I want to get right. I see that hand and that hand and that hand, another and another. Others up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Two hands way in the back. Another hand over here. Somebody else. Thank you. God bless you. Would everybody please stand? But nobody moving unless it's absolutely necessary. If you lifted your hand, right? Look right at me. Move to the aisle that's nearest you, wherever that is. Even if you're up in the balcony, please just move to the aisle. Bring the person you're with, bring your coat, bring your purse, whatever you need, but make your way right down here. We're gonna wait from you all the way from the balcony. Come on down, make your way. We're gonna pray. When we say amen in just a moment, you're past. It's going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. This is your day. Give them a hand. From the balcony, come on down. Make your way. Greatest decision you will ever, ever make. Awesome. You know, the Bible tells us that when just one person repents, one, there is rejoicing in heaven. And I tell you, we are so proud, so glad, for every one of you. And again, from the balcony, make your way down. We're going to wait. Awesome. God bless you. Now, Romans 10 in verse 13, this is what it says. It says, whosoever. Listen, this is going to work for every single one of you. This is God's promise. He doesn't say if you haven't this or you haven't that. All you've got to do, anybody, this will work. We'll call on the name of the Lord. Now, we're going to call on his name the way the Bible tells us to, right? And when we say amen, God's promise is we'll be saved, forgiven, right with God. He's going to come into your heart. He's going to make you a new person all the way from the balcony. Thank you for making it down. God bless. Another batch coming. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We're going to wait as they're making it down awesome. All right. Now, everybody, we're all going to pray this prayer with them. I want you to make these words your own, right? Put one hand over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven. Just repeat this and say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. And I come to Jesus today to be forgiven and to be saved. I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That you blood washed me from my sins that you make me a new person on the inside. Thank you. I'm a part of your family. On my way to heaven, from this day forward, and forevermore, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow! Awesome! 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 Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.